Hamas calls for a full ceasefire. Turkey says Israel will soon be destroyed. Retired IDF Lieutenant Colonel Sarit Zahavi, who specialized in military intelligence, joins us today to discuss all this and more on The End Time Show. Welcome to The End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're so happy you've joined us today. Doug, we're back. We are back. It's been like two weeks. I know. It seems like forever Almost since we've been in here. Almost forget how to do anything. Yeah, At least here. That, but we've been here. Or we've been here. We just haven't done the show. You, you've been here. I've been here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't been You were out hog hunting. I was. And other things. Yeah. So hunting. Lots of good times. Sure. And I'm not going to throw you under the sleigh today, Thank Doug. You. I or the bus. It. Thank you. It's Christmas time. Right? Yes, it is. Some people aren't ready to celebrate Christmas until December. Some people aren't ready to celebrate Christmas at all. We understand that. We love everybody out there. So it's kind of like the timing of the rapture. We love you wherever you fall in that conversation. <laughs> um, before we get into today's show, it's good to be uh, to get back here in the office and around the coffee pot, Doug, as we talk politics and religion mm -hmm. and First Cup Coffee. Yes, First Cup is a Christian-owned Patriot coffee company out of the great state of Texas, as you all know very well. They have 11 different roasts, each one named after a specific piece of American history, and you can get one of their roasts, either ground or whole bean like I prefer it, or you can even get the pods if you're one of those Keurig people. So ditch the grocery store coffee that has been sitting on the shelves for up to two years. Go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll actually give you another 10% off. So go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME today to get 10% off. All right, Doug, we have... Wait, just one, oh. one quick second before you move away from there. My apologies. Makes a great Christmas gift. We're going to sure gift a couple of our friends some of the First Cup coffee because they've been asking about it. So actually where I went hunting, some of my friends that lived there, they were like, hey, how about this First Cup stuff? So, gonna you didn't take them. any with you. I I didn't because you know they already had some first cup and I got mine. I was thinking about it, but I just went ahead and kept it for myself. <laughs> but I am now going to gift them. So wonderful great gift idea, Doug. We're so excited today to have guest Lieutenant Colonel uh, Sarit Zahavi. Mm -hmm. uh, she'll be uh, on the show for the second half. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we're gonna be giving you some Israel updates, what's going on uh, in Israel and the surrounding area. And then Sarit is gonna join us at uh, the halfway mark. So be sure to share this video, comment what you're thinking about what we're talking about. And also um, heart, that's the other thing that Doug loves so much. Do the heart, not just the blue thumbs up, but do the red heart and make sure uh, that you share with us how you're enjoying today's show. And of course, Sarit coming on later on. You've got to share now, that way it gets in your friends and family's timeline for when she joins us and gives us a, a perspective that I don't think we've ever had on this show. A, a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Israeli Defense Force. It's gonna be pretty awesome, Doug, so yeah. don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. Before we get to that though at the halfway mark, Doug, uh, Hamas is calling for a full ceasefire. Is this, see, I know that the ceasefire started, and mm -hmm. from what I understand, within 15 minutes, rockets were fired into Israel. Right. Um, so when I see headlines like this, my first, I'm not very optimistic, I guess. Right. But we also know Israel will do whatever they can to get hostages out. So uh, what do we make of this story? Yeah, so there's a lot of people talking about what's going on, especially with this full ceasefire. This is not what Israel's battle plan was. Remember what Israel said, they need to just really remove 
uh, Hamas from uh, the Gaza area and just totally wipe them out so that the people of Palestine can then uh, live free without this uh, Hamas terror group kind of running things there in uh, Gaza. But uh, if they were to do this, Gaza, uh, the uh, Hamas there in Gaza are now saying that they would release the all of the hostages that they have. Well, of course, that's what Israel wants to do. They want to get people back, um, you know, and, and so we'll, we'll kind of get a different uh, perspective about this and, and not so much what our media is telling us here in the second part of that show, because we can ask about that question. But, you know, one of the things about that, Vince, that some people try to say is that maybe this is Hamas regathering uh, troops and equipment. Maybe this is something to give them a stronger foothold on the area to fight back uh, or, or maybe even trying to lead Israel into a trap. But, you know, there's been other reports out there where, uh, like the Houthis in, um, uh, down south there, they are, they're saying that they're not part of this agreement and that they're going to continue to fight with Israel. Now, the agreement, as I understand, it does include Hezbollah to the north. So everything's kind of cool in that section. But now down in Yemen, where uh, the Houthis are, they're saying we're not going to be part of this. Don't know who fired the missiles. Mm-hmm. you know, after that. So we really don't know for sure. But one of the things about this is there are still a lot of hostages events that are unaccounted for. Right. And uh, and that's one of the things this article did. It, it posted the pictures of some of these missing women. And remember, because this is something that maybe people don't understand. They might not have the perspective that uh, to, to, to know this. Maybe they're just watching regular news but even uh my stepmom was asking the other day why why were these children by themselves where were their parents she did not fully understand because of the news media that these kids were actually taken from their parents after their parents had been killed yeah you know these babies were taken away from their moms some of their moms might have went into captivity others were just killed right there in their home if you're watching that we've got photos uh scrolling through of of um some of those of missing women that were pictured that I think uh, maybe the IDF released yeah. to show some of the people who have been missing. So. And so they still don't even know the whereabouts of these people. And then there were other reports that said that uh, possibly Hamas had moved some of the hostages into Lebanon, into the Hezbollah area, just to get them out of this area. Now, how they did that, I have no idea. I don't know how they would get them to different locations, but uh, obviously it, it could be done. So. That's one of the things that's also going around. So uh, just what, what you're saying, how do we, you know, what do we make of this? I don't know, because there's two sides of this. People are saying, could this possibly be, like I said, they're rebuilding, they're restructuring and using this as a way to do that? Or, or is this legitimate? And they're saying, okay, we've had enough. We'll give you all the hostages. Just stop bombing Gaza. So, you know, I mean, who knows, Vince, at this point, what this is really about. So, I guess time will tell. We yeah. should be in prayer. We should have never stopped praying. If you did, keep praying right. um, for both sides. We should yeah. be praying for Israelis. We should be praying for, you know, I even pray for people in Hamas. You know, it's like these people right. need Jesus just as much as anybody else that I know. So yeah. I am praying for these people and believing that uh, somehow, just like every situation in our lives, Doug, I mean, we've got, we've made a mess of things. You know, you and I have, we've talked about it. Uh, more off the air than on, but yeah. you know, God takes things that we mess up and turns them into good. Yeah. And uh, over and over, He's done that for my life personally, and I've seen Him do that around the world for people. And so, um, I am 
praying and believing and we are uh, not just praying but we're doing we're taking action and helping people on the ground there as well absolutely and so um, and you know one of the things while you're saying that it reminds me too that the hezbollah leader or the hamas leader i'm sorry he was saying because he was asked about it okay it's been proven there were tunnels under gaza under hospitals under schools uh, while the bombing was going on, why didn't you allow the Palestinian people to go below the ground where they would have been safe in those tunnels instead of having them out there dying? And Hamas said that, that that's not their problem, that those people in Palestine are not their responsibility, that they're the responsibility of the international community and of the terrorist group Israel. That's what they said. That was their words that said that. So, so they're calling Israel a terrorist group and saying that Israel is actually... Uh, the ones that should have been thinking about that instead of saying yeah we could have moved those people down there and, and saved their lives they said that's not our responsibility we don't care so it kind of shows you the mindset of the people who are running Hamas not saying that everybody that is part of Hamas thinks like that but it does seem like that's where we're headed that they didn't really care about the Palestinian people they only cared about their terrorist organization and what they were doing. Doug how does the world government hear and see what's happening and still not, still be so against Israel, so pro uh, Hamas, I guess. And how do they do that? How, how do they justify that take? You know, that's a good question, Vince. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with uh, education and with what you know people are being taught uh, at a very young age, and then they rise up into leadership areas and we're looking at a whole different mindset now because we're not looking at uh, the big picture of Israel. You know, they look at Israel as occupiers. They don't look at Israel as this was their country. And then, um, you know, after the Holocaust, after World War II, when they gave them back this area, they look at them as aggressors because of the 1948 war, the 1967 war, the 72 war, all these things they feel like Israel was the aggressors and these people have been oppressed. You heard the Secretary General say of the UN that, you know, really basically Israel had this coming because of years and years of occupation. Yeah, the UN, it's like I've seen what they've done. The latest thing they've done is I see that in the COP, what is it called? COP. Yeah, the 28, COP28. COP28? Yeah. They're going to target meat consumption. They're yeah. doing all this stuff. It's like, these guys are... Why, why is anyone still trusting? <laughs> I know, right? Why is anyone still putting their money into these organizations? It seems mind-boggling to me that people are so fooled. And yeah. they come out and they're saying meat consumption will be a target. They want to... Of course, we've talked about it here, man, two years ago at this point. They want you yes. to eat crickets and uh, whatever. We showed those clips of that, those commercials that they've done. It's like... These guys are uh, very interesting, and the meat that you're going <laughs> to buy—that's a good grocery, choice. <laughs> yeah, like I'm—I'm I'm trying to. I hear I'm you. trying to stay on track, Doug. <laughs> um, but the meat options that they're going to give you, mm -hmm. as we've seen trickling into these grocery stores, right, are going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I've had friends buy meat that they—they they thought was meat, but they didn't read the packaging very well. <laughs> right. And then when they took a bite into it, they found out what it actually was, and. Mm. That's really how a lot of the majority of the grocery store meat aisle is anyway. It's imported from some random country or countries from overseas. Uh, 
people I know call it mystery meat. They even mix it with other meats of different origins and you never know where that meat came from. And it's probably been endorsed by the United Nations or the WEF. They put that product of the USA sticker on there. Doesn't mean it's from here, just packaged here. So our friends at BackyardButcher.com, they're delivering American raised and harvested meat from right here in our American backyards to dinner tables across our nation. Klaus Schwab doesn't like them at all. <laughs> Go to BackyardButcher.com, save an extra 20% off your entire order by using the code ENDTIME or go to BackyardButcher.com slash ENDTIME. Go to BackyardButchers.com and buy American meat today and get 20% off your entire order. And make the UN mad. Yeah, yeah, just every time I have a steak now, I just want to take a picture of it and send it to We should get a like one of those uh, steel engravers yeah. and just like uh, of, of Klaus Schwab's face and just... Yeah. Man, Burn that make, on our make steaks. a branding iron with Yeah, that. branding iron. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, I like that idea. Let's do it's it. A good idea. If you like that idea, comment <laughs> Doug. Let him know that you missed him over the Thanksgiving oh, break. I know goodness. I sure did. <laughs> Doug, the next story. Comment Doug. D O U G. There you go. I really did miss you, Doug. Um, Israel will soon be destroyed. That's a statement by Turkish president. Yeah. Does that set off any alarm bells for you? Well, absolutely it does, Vince. And, and it's a big deal uh, because right now, Turkey is a, a NATO participant. So they're in NATO. They're one of um, the, the NATO um, allies. And they're making this kind of statement. The thing that really worries me is this was said by Erdogan uh, and it was said in front of his, uh, his lawmakers, his legislature, basically. And he said this, he said, right now I am openly saying with clear conscience that Israel is a terrorist state. Okay, so same thing we've heard from Hamas. He's lining up with Hamas there. And uh, it says, the article said, while this comment was widely reported, uh, his subsequent remarks went largely unnoticed. Well, listen to what he says next. He said, he called out, hey, Israel, you have an atomic bomb, a nuclear bomb, and you're making threats with this. We know this, and your end is near. So he says, Israel, your end is near. And then he says, you can, uh, you can have as many nuclear bombs as you want, but you're on your way out, he added. The Turkish lawmakers responded to his message with thunderous standing ovations. So... Turkey is a very big player in end-time prophecy events. We know that they're part of the force that will come down at the Battle of Armageddon and Gog and Magog. When you read that, they're actually mentioned there. And so um, when they are mentioned there, it is the part that says the House of Togomar. That is talking about uh, Turkey and Armenia, kind of those areas there. And so when you see that in the Bible, you know that Turkey is going to be part of that invading force at the Battle of Armageddon. So these kind of comments, it doesn't really surprise us. It just does because they're a NATO ally right now. But there's another key to this, which is interesting, that Turkey holds the Ataturk Dam there where they can actually close off the waters of the Euphrates River, causing it to dry up if they wanted to. They could cut it off. And we know that that's one of the prophecies in the vials. That's going to be one of the vials that uh, that river will be dried up and made uh, a way for the kings to come across into Israel. So whether or not that will be a, um, a, a vial that is a, a natural plague, that, that God does it, 
or if he uses Turkey to do it, we don't know exactly how it's going to be done. We just know that Turkey has that capability. And so when they speak against Israel like that, it's not surprising to us, Vince, because we know they're going to be one of those forces coming down at that battle. So one of those forces coming down is going to be the World Government Army. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about the UN and what they've got going on. Um, from what we see right now, I mean, for a, a call for, I mean, we've been talking since October 7th about what this could be in Israel. Yeah. Could it be the sixth trumpet war? Well, it could be. We aren't sure yet. Uh, could it lead to this peace treaty that's coming? It could. We don't, we're very open about things that we're not sure about. Right. Um, and so when I start hearing about these world government, um, armies forming against Israel, I'm trying to figure out how that could possibly happen um, because we're so far, it seems like we're so far from that actually happening right now. So right. how do we get from where we are now to that actually being possible? Well, I, I, what's possible, and like you said, we don't know for sure yet. So we don't know if this is the Six Trumpet War, if this is what that's going to turn into. But with the things that's going on with the, the proxies from Iran, so we've got Hezbollah to the north uh, that are attacking our forces. They attacked some more over the Thanksgiving holiday. A base was hit, and there were soldiers that were hurt there as well. Well, that could pull us into the war that is the Six Trumpet War because we know, Vince, that Iran is allied with Russia. They're allied with China. Uh, they're allied with a lot of the Muslim area right now that is against Israel. And so uh, they're the ones that's kind of behind that ring of fire that you've heard us talk about, you've heard Dave talk about. So these things could be in play right now. And if we got involved in a war, like an all-out war, right now it's just kind of skirmishes. It's not an all-out war. We've got, I think we've got like... Uh, they say like 900 troops right now that are in the areas that are kind of being targeted, but we have the battleships off the coast of Israel. So we could go to a full escalated thing very quickly. And Israel is kind of calling for America to step in, or they say the West. When they say the West, they mean the U.S. mainly, yeah. to come in and do something about it. not calling for Canada. Right, <laughs> definitely not. And so it, they're calling for the U.S. to do something. So with this escalation happening, if we did something, of course, Russia could get involved, China could get involved. So it could turn into the Sixth Trumpet War very easily, Vince. Uh, and that could start that war. We know, or we believe, out of that war, that would bring the entrance ramp there for that peace agreement, for the man of sin to be revealed. All those things could start as a result of that Sixth Trumpet War. And so that's how we could get there from here. But we've also seen, like, President Biden, Emmanuel Macron, say that they believe that out of this conflict, this conflict right now between Hamas and Israel, there should be a peace treaty afterwards, that yeah. we can't go back to the old status quo. There needs to be a new world order is basically yeah. what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. And so that's how we could get there very easily. Well, we're excited to uh, talk to retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel um, Sarit Zahivi momentarily here, so don't go anywhere. Be sure that you share this video right now. You know, I saw that, you know, a lot of, we, we're now on Spotify, Doug. I don't know if you know that. It I took us a long time that. to get on Spotify. There you you can listen to the End Time Show on Spotify. And uh, the number one way people share on Spotify, the End Time Show, mm -hmm. is by texting a link. Hmm. I always tell everybody to share. I never thought about telling you to 
stop what you're doing and text this link. So be sure to do that right now because um, Lieutenant Colonel Sarit Zahavi has a unique perspective that we're going to get to hear from a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Israeli Defense Force. She's going to bring insight that you and I can't bring, Doug, so we're excited to bring that to the end time show. Before we uh, go any further, I want to remind you to consider diversifying your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe. It's Birch Gold's group, our friends over there, their most popular special of the year. Now through December 22nd, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they will send you a one ounce silver eagle coin for free. So visit birchgold.com slash end time to claim your eligibility. Now you can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's precious metal specialists help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax sheltered IRA in gold for no money out of pocket. And they'll send you that free silver for every 5,000 that you purchase. So keep it for yourself. Uh, give something with real value as a stocking stuffer instead of an apple like my grandma <laughs> used to put in the stocking stuffer. Just visit birchgold.com slash end time to claim your eligibility with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Now's the best time to buy gold from Birch Gold. If that's what you want to do, birchgold.com slash end time. Claim your eligibility for that free silver coin with qualifying purchases before December 22nd. Let, right. let me just say this too while you're talking about that. Another one, though. Yeah, I know. But this is awesome. You know, I, I'm in the chat when I'm not on the program, so I'm watching what people are saying. A lot of uh -oh. people are saying, how is gold and silver going to help us? Well, well you here, can't eat it. That's one thing people say. That's right. You can't eat that stuff. But here's the thing. We're not talking about the great tribulation period of, you know, go out and buy this gold for the great tribulation. But what we understand from scripture, Vince, is that we may not be under the mark of the beast. We don't believe we will be because if we are, we won't be the be able to help Israel the way it says in the Bible that the wings of the eagle help the woman. Uh, they would be able to put economic sanctions on us. Now, we do believe some people can choose to take the mark if they want to, but here's the thing. Right now, in the times we live in right now, that's why we tell you to invest in gold and silver because there could be a, a, a tragic thing happen here in the United States. We've seen what's going on with the BRICS and what they're trying to do. They're trying to shut down the U.S. dollar. So right now, if the U.S. dollar lost value, gold wouldn't. Silver wouldn't. And so you would be able to buy things with gold and silver. Now, people say, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, I was looking into it the other day, and they actually make bars now that where you can, like, pull off little pieces. It looks like a Hershey bar, and you can actually pull off certain amounts of your gold that, uh, you know, amount to certain amounts of money, and you can trade and barter with that kind of stuff. But you also, I mean, I've seen them in the coins. You know, we've, we've received some gold here, and... Uh, as gifts from people and so we've seen the gold you know and seen what it looks like now I personally don't have any silver and gold but it doesn't mean that I wouldn't invest in it because like when we had um, you know um, other financial advisors on here everybody has talked about having some kind of stock in silver and gold whether it's a physical thing or if you're just buying into it right now well so, and of course you know what we're encouraging people to do is to be informed yeah and absolutely. You'll learn more about it and make the best, pray, yeah. pray what you should do and make the best decision for you and absolutely. your family. Ultimately, so, God is going to take care of us though. And absolutely. They're absolutely take right no when thought. they say that. Yeah. Take no thought. Like, right, Matthew 6. Yep. So, Doug, there's one more story I know we want to get to. Of course, we want to remind everybody, uh, Sarit Zahavi is going to be joining us momentarily, but um, Iran's, uh, they, Iran warns in Hebrew that war is in Gaza won't go unanswered. Right. Yes, yeah, so this is coming from their supreme leader, um, 
a la Khamenei, I guess is how you say it. I'm so name. glad you got to say it. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> uh, but, but he says in this article, he says, this bombing will not make up for the crushing defeat that the Zionist entity suffered. The bombing, or, or October 7th, the bombing will sh shorten its life while the deprivation and atrocities will not remain unanswered. So he's making threats right there in this. And this was actually on X. Right, which was formerly known as Twitter. I love it when you talk about it. I know. It's, I don't know that much about it, but it's on that platform, folks. So if you know what X is, you know what I'm talking about. It used to be Twitter with the little bird. Now it's X. And he actually made this statement on X. So he's just outright saying, and, and while that's happening, Vince, they're still being able to enrich uranium. Uh, they're still being able, you know, we, we heard months ago that they're only like 12 weeks away from uh, uranium enrichment that would be able to be used as uh, nuclear weapons. And so we're, we're looking at that now and we're seeing these threats now and there does remain a threat there that I, I believe that's why the United States have the warships off the coast of Israel because they're telling Iran, look, we're here, so don't push us into something that you're going to be um, sorry for later, you know. So anyway, interesting that we're getting these threats from these leaders well, surrounding Israel. When I hear that Iran makes a threat, Doug, yeah. it seems like Iran's threats have been empty for a long time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if they should be taken seriously or not. I know what they're capable of. Right. Um, but at the same time, it seems like almost nothing ever happens. Mm -hmm. And so... Does Israel kind of sit back and laugh at them, or is this a is this a serious? Does America even, you know, I, I know we send them money, but you know, like, are we really taking them seriously? And actions actually happening? Well, see, I don't think that we are. Uh, I think that this administration is kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth right now, and I think that uh, Iran knows that. I mean, and they know exactly how far they can push, and they know where they stand with uh, the Biden administration. And I think that's why they're, they're kind of at one point, they'll kind of say, look, we're not calling the shots here. We're just helping equip the people that want to call the shots. And then the other side of their mouth, they're saying, hey, uh, we're going to totally destroy Israel and knock them off the map. So that is what they want to do. They've even done simulation videos about it and played it in movie theaters to the cheers of the people. Uh, watching and so that is what they want to do are they capable of doing that right now I don't know I don't think so and I think Russia probably would have a lot to say as their ally to kind of tell them look we're gonna reel y'all in a little bit to keep you from causing World War three Doug when you heard that we were gonna be able to talk to a lieutenant colonel Sarit Zahavi what do you think of that from the IDF I think that is amazing I mean I, I have seen her in other um, interviews with some other folks and um, she's she's very good and uh, I'm excited to get her perspective because we've never had an IDF officer's perspective on here we've talked to other people that have other um, you know titles within the government of Israel but never an IDF lieutenant colonel so pretty excited so we won't be getting calls so right uh, don't email Doug and be upset about that <laughs> right uh, but you want to stay tuned for lieutenant colonel Sarit Zahavi Share this video, comment what you're thinking about Sarit, and of course, heart it, but don't forget to share. Uh, she will be joining us after this break, so don't go anywhere.
a viewer of the End Time Show, you're getting early access to Christmas deals starting right now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? What experiences and gifts would you receive this year? Well, the atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited because these deals are now available through the end of 2023. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives and that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2023, you can get deals like a special VIP group video call with Dave Robbins when you get Understanding the End Time. End Time Plus subscription for 50% off, or my personal favorite, a $10 and under sale for almost 100 different products featuring Irvin Baxter, Dave Robbins, and more. Go to endtime.com slash deals for a full catalog of items. You can also call 800 End Time. Hurry, supplies are limited. Go to endtime.com slash deals today. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. Welcome back to The End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're so glad that you've joined us today and we are so thrilled to uh, bring on our very special guest, uh, Sarit Zahavi served in the Israel Defense Force for 15 years, specializing in military intelligence and is a retired lieutenant colonel. She's the founder and president of the Alma Research and Education Center. Sarit has briefed hundreds of groups and forums ranging from U.S. senators, congressmen and women, and politicians to senior journalists and visiting VIP groups in Israel and overseas. Sarit scripts numerous position papers and updates focusing on Lebanon, Syria, and Israel's national security challenges. She holds an MA in the Middle East in Middle East Studies from Ben Gurion University. Her unique achievements led her to be selected by the Jerusalem Post as one of the top 50 most influential global Jewish personalities of 2021. Sarit, welcome to the End Time Show. Thank you very much. Uh, so we're on day 54 of Israel at war. Uh, from your perspective, what's this really all about? It's definitely not about Israel-Hamas war. Mm. It's actually a campaign against terror that this time came from uh, Hamas. Actually, we are surprised that it came from the south because we have seen all the preparations to have exactly the same massacre and, and invasion from the north by Hezbollah. And as you can see, it's not only Hamas uh, participating and not only from Gaza. Uh, since all of that started, there were attacks from Lebanon, uh, hundreds of these as, uh, as well. There were attacks against American forces in Iraq and Syria. There are attacks against uh, American forces, Israeli Navy ships, Israeli ships, not Navy ships, um, and, uh, and Israeli communities in the south and in the Red Sea. So it's, I think it's something different than, than the impression that was uh, created that is something which is part of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It is definitely not. We've read articles along the way that propose that it's a result of how close we are to having a red heifer to purify the temple. Um, what's your take on that, if, if any at all? 
I understand the question, purify the temple, what does that got to do with what happened in the area of Gaza? Well, if, if it is more than uh, just Hamas, if it's a, um, if it's a Islam-motivated attack, is, it a re is there religious involvement of all? Could, could they be, I think the article proposed that um, they're scared that we're getting close to kicking them off of the Temple Mount, and so that's perhaps some of the motivation behind the attack. This is again taking a, you mentioned ideology, I agree. This is again taking something which is on a strategic level of a hateful ideology coming from the Ayatollahs of Iran to a tactical level that uh, asks the question of who can pray on Temple Mount. Mm -hmm. And I want to be very clear. Israel is the only country in the Middle East that preserves freedom of praying and freedom of religion and actually freedom in general, uh, in opposed to all other countries. We uh, respect Muslims' right to pray in Temple Mount. We ban Jews from mass playing, praying there, and if Jews are praying there, it is done in a hidden corner, mm -hmm. very few, in a way that nobody can see and nobody will be angry about that. So there are players here in the Middle East that want to say that Israel is trying to, I don't know what, on Temple Mount, and that's why they massacred women and children. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know what to say around that, but if, if this is what people believe, eventually people can justify September 11, they can justify the Holocaust, they can justify everything yeah. by taking it to tactical issues that don't actually exist. Mm. Hamas slaughtered women and children because it believes that this is what should be done. Its speakers are saying that again and again. They admitted that they would do it again if they can. They were proud of what they did. They filmed everything they did, and they were proud for killing Jews. There is no interest of the state of Israel to close Temple Mount for Muslims or not enable Muslims to, to pray there. This is part of our DNA. We believe that Jerusalem is holy for everybody, Christian, Muslims, and Jews. And we want Jerusalem to uh, represent a coexistence between all of these religions. Of course, it's the holiest uh, uh, city for Judaism. Of course, we feel very much connected uh, to Jerusalem. This is our history for 3,000 years. But we don't overrule at the same time the history of others in this city. And we want to respect everybody. Right. Uh, Hamas, like Iran, like Hezbollah, like other radical uh, Muslim interpretations, uh, radical interpretations of Islam, whether it's Shiite or, or Sunni, wants to eliminate the state of Israel completely. It's not about Israel doing something in Jerusalem. It's about them don't want to have any Jews living in Jerusalem or in uh, the state of Israel at all. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the ceasefire agreement that's going on right now. That's uh, we've had some release of some hostages, and now uh, there's reports that Hamas are asking for if they release all the hostages for a permanent ceasefire. Do you think, in your opinion, this is a good idea, or is this something they're using as a ploy to uh, maybe get some more troops in there, get some more weapons in there? What do you think this is really all about? Look, 
I will speak as an Israeli. For Israelis, there is a tension now between the need to eliminate Hamas, to make sure that Hamas is not capable of doing that again and again and again, to make sure that uh, people in the southern part of Israel uh, live, can go back safely to their communities which were ruined and rebuilt from, from scratch, the communities. Uh, this is a must. All Israelis agree here. There is, no, no, there is a consensus which is truly amazing a consensus in Israel that Hamas must be defeated. At the same time, one of our core uh, values is bringing back hostages, okay? It doesn't matter whether they are soldiers, women, children, elders, men, fathers, mothers, all of them should come back. So I understand that, again, in, in the tactical level, there is a tension between these two uh, goals. And we, we are all aware of that. And I, I don't envy my government that needs to make these kind of decisions. But the end goal eventually must uh, stay and we cannot compromise on that. We must send a clear message to all the different players here in the Middle East that those who are coming after us will get killed, that we cannot live with this monster next door. This is right for Hamas in the south, and this is, of course, right with Hezbollah in the north. It, it's the same, the same issue. And uh, I think that Israelis will not give any credit to any political leader that will compromise on that and will enable Hamas to survive after what it had done to us. Yeah. Well, you know, we've back when 9-11 happened, you mentioned that earlier, uh, Iran was one of the top axis of evil that was told to us by our president at that time, George Bush, when he said that Iran was part of this terror uh, organization and they were one of the axis of evil. But since that time, we've seen our government allow Israel or allow Iran to begin a nuclear program. Uh, they've funded and, and given them so much money that has gone toward this, and we know that now. Um, so what do you think is going on with Iran and the world kind of knowing what Iran's plans are for uranium enrichment? And they've said time after time again, they want to erase Israel from the map. Um, so why do you think that like our country and other countries have been in support of Iran and their nuclear program? I truly hope that after what happened, that everybody knows that uh, Iran supported Hamas armed Hamas, uh, gave Hamas these munitions. And of course, I think it's much more than that. I think that this was part of the Iranian plan to create a multi-front campaign here in the Middle East against Israel and against the United States assets here. I, I think that Iran in the past decade cultivated militias all over the Middle East exactly for this point, for October 7th and onwards. I think that Iran is trying to create a campaign that will last years to drag the attention from the nuclear a project uh, and to survive uh, at home. I think that uh, Iran has no uh, schedule, meaning that, okay, now once these uh, militias are launched, uh, it can take years. What do they care of, you know, creating uh, destruction in the region, and not only among Israelis, but also among Lebanese, Syrians, Iraqis, Yemenis, uh, Gazians, for years, what do they care? This is, you know, what they, they can use Arab blood for Arab blood for this campaign against the state of Israel. They don't truly care. And that's why I think that all of that needs to, to be taken in consideration when we talk about uh, the West's policy against Iran, because eventually the Islamic revolution 
uh, goal is to distribute the values of this revolution everywhere in the world, in the United States or Europe or whatever, doesn't matter. And they are building, already building educational institutions to spread this ideology. So I think the nuclear issue is, is very important, but it's not the only issue. There are so many issues around here that we should have a comprehensive approach uh, to deal with all of that, understanding that there shouldn't be any compromise on, uh, um, I would say, even fascist, uh, radical, Islamist ideology that threatens us all. Okay, it's not it's not about Israel. It's 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 a threat. It poses threat, a global threat. It is everywhere, and Israel is just you know kind of a representation for these uh, freedom values of freedom over here in the Middle East. But we are not the only one who are at risk. Right. Uh, it is very important to have um, a consistent uh, policy. By the by the way, it doesn't matter which administration. Very important to have a consistent policy, a non-compromising policy that uh, will not enable this kind of regime uh, to have strategic capabilities that can threaten the peace in the whole world. Look what happened with Russia. It's a very good example. Sarit, we're coming up against a break. You've got like 35 seconds. I don't know if you, if you have time to say it or not, but you mentioned it's not the biggest issue. If you could pick one, what would be the biggest issue? Do you have time to cover that in 30 seconds? The biggest issue in my point of view is the ideology. Okay. We are fighting against an ocean. All right. Well, Doug, we certainly agree with that. That's what we talk about a lot here. We're coming up on a break, so Sarit, we'll, br we'll bring you back after this break. If you have time to stay, we appreciate it so much. Um, you need to go to israel-alma.org. You can learn more about what Sarit has going on. Of course, we'll hear more from her on the other side of the break and figure out how we can keep up with her. We know uh, you all out there will want to follow her on social media and her organization. So we'll be right back to talk more with Sarit on the other side of the break. voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me, and I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity what do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End Time Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 Endtime. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. 
This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Welcome back to The End Time Show. Vince Stegall here with Doug Norvell. We're joined by special guest, Sarit Zahavi, retired Lieutenant Colonel from the Israel Defense Force and founder and president of the Alma Research and Education Center. Sarit, again, thank you so much for joining us. If our audience wants to keep up with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh. Look, I try not to deal with policy. You know, my DNA is an intelligence officer. So I try to bring the data, trying to bring the information. Uh, the easiest thing is to sit in our comfortable offices uh, with suits and ties and uh, say uh, our leaders what to do. No ties, no ties. Or Israelis. no ties. No ties today. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm very careful with that. I'm trying to be modest. Uh, I, my, my life mission is first make people understand. Uh, you know, I think this is half the way for solutions. Uh, if, if people will understand what we are facing and understand and, and completely change the framing, you know, uh, once, as long as I see again and again and again in international media that the framing is Israel-Hamas war, uh, and people don't understand that this is something different. As long as I see that uh, the answer to Israel-Hamas war is a two-state solution, while I think it's completely separate, we can discuss two-state solution. I'm not totally against it. I just don't think this is the answer to prevent the next massacre. If we don't deal with education and we don't deal with how do we prevent uh, children from growing up to believe that this is what they should do when they grow up, it doesn't matter whether it's Hamas, Palestinian Authority, Islamic Jihad, ISIS, doesn't matter the name. We just uh, have to, if you ask me what's the solution, it's first and foremost schools. Gaza is half ruined, fine. Who is going to build the schools? UNRWA, again UNRWA, that wants to perpetuate all of that, that, that we, we, we proved, uh, uh, there, there was proof published in the media that UNRWA taught these children to kill, these children to hate Israelis. So who is going to educate the Gazians after this, uh, this catastrophe? I think that, uh, you know, out of this catastrophe, there is also an opportunity now uh, to, to work with the Gazians on a different future, on a different prospect. And at the same time, this idea should uh, be spread in elsewhere. Because as I've said, you know, as a resident of the Galilee, the pictures that you see behind me are actually pictures of Hezbollah on the border, 12 kilometers from where I am now. I took these pictures. I saw Hezbollah every day on the border. They are still on my border after in the past few weeks they attacked us every day with anti-tanks and missiles and whatever and it's the same ideology that we should be that israel should be wiped off the map that they want to get uh, to jerusalem that uh, jews should not live here that jews are the colonizers even though one my grandmother one was born in beirut and the other one was born in hebron so i don't know what what do they talk about exactly but 
this should be changed. We should work on changing the education. And I think in Gaza and in Lebanon, these places, for, for different reasons, by the way, have, are good opportunity. Gaza, because it is half ruined and everybody speaks about new beginning there. And Lebanon, because uh, there are more players in Lebanon than just Hezbollah that we can try to work with. It's a long way to go. It's not something that will be solved within a year or two or four years. But I think that's, that's the only way to try to have a process that maybe in, in a few decades will create a di different atmosphere here. So with ideology, you mentioned being, you know, the biggest issue here. Um, that ideology is obviously spread globally at this point. So as, you know, that tries to, sh as there's an attempt to shift that, there's going to be, uh, I would imagine, global reaction uh, perhaps negative, and a lot of people see this as potentially leading to a World War III as Russia and China and others get involved. Uh, do you think that's a legit threat at all, or is World War III not even really on the radar? Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, October 7 was the scenario that I was afraid to imagine, uh, I'm afraid to imagine a World War III. I cannot overrule it, but I'm afraid to imagine that. Uh, so all I can say from my modest point of view here in the Middle East is that the relationship between Iran and Russia are different than they used to be. Now, uh, you cannot say exactly that everything is happening the same way it happened in the past. For example, we don't have, if I compare it to the Cold War, we don't have just two blocks here. We have Israel, United States, Europe. Okay, these are Western countries believing in freedom and believe in equality and, and believe in democracy. But uh, on the other side, there are players with different ideologies like Russia and Iran. It's completely different ideologies and, and different point of views and even different, different interests. Um, but what they share today is, is the interests. So if in the past we've seen Iran buying weapons from Russia, today we see Iran buying and selling weapons to Russia uh, in a way that changed uh, their partnership. So I can take uh, Syria as an example. If in the past there was a competition between Russia and Iran uh, over Syria and who will control where, today we see kind of a status quo that was created in Syria that some of the areas are uh, affiliated with uh, Iran and others are more uh, having Russia hegemony and uh, you know there are even areas that are under the control of United States or, or proxies of United States, I would say, or militias or others that are affiliated with the United States and the Kurds area and, and areas that are under control of Turkey. So Syria is in a way divided in kind of a representation for various players, various in, in, interests, various ideologies uh, that coexist in the same region. Uh, so that's why I'm trying not to speak with, you know, black and white colors. I think there is a lot of gray here. And if we want to understand the Middle East, we shouldn't ignore these gray colors. Yet, having said that, yes, I do think that there is a radical ideology here that we shouldn't compromise upon. And we should, uh, we should fight this. We should uh, make sure uh, that we don't enable this ideology to to continue to spread, to continue to expand. And as you said, yes, it is building educational institutions everywhere in the world, including in the U.S., that are actually operating against the U.S. Constitution. 
Well, when people say things uh, like Israel is an occupier, that you are actually occupying this land that belongs to Palestine. See, that's one of those things that we deal with a lot. We have people here in this country that believe that they're being oppressed, that, uh, you know, Israel is this terrible occupier of the land, but we've been there ourselves, and we know that's not true. We've seen the areas that the Palestinian people live in and how nice those areas have been because of Israel and the technologies you've shared and things like that. They've taken some of those technologies in Gaza and tried to turn them into weapons against Israel. So what would you say to somebody who says uh, Israel is an occupier there? How much time do you have? <laughs> this is like a separate history lesson uh, to go over 100 years uh, of conflict to explain exactly. And again, it's not black and white. It's right. not exactly the right. occupier and the occupiers. What do we occupy? It's 67 borders, but uh, West Bank was belonged to Jordan. Like it's an end endless conflict. So I would just go, you know, to the end of it. Because again, if, if you want, we can do another show about 100 years. But <laughs> if I'm going to the end of it, let's go to the Oslo Accords, okay? We try to have peace. What happened in the Oslo Accord? The Palestinian Authority was established. It was clear to all Israelis, those who were against and those who were for, that the Palestinian Authority was established as a pre-state institution, that, it, that its mission is to build the institutions of the future Palestinian state. Okay, so here is my question. How come in this Palestinian Authority that actually uh, control most of the Palestinians, more than 90% of the Palestinians of West Bank uh, after the Oslo Accords. How come there are still refugee camps mm. in these places 25 years after this Palestinian Authority was established? Why haven't this Palestinian Authority created a future for the children who are living in these refugee camps that Israel doesn't control in the past 25 years, and there was enough money for everything, for everything you can dream of, because Europeans and even Americans gave the money. Money was not a problem. The, the, eventually, the problem was the narrative, and the narrative of the Palestinian Authority that was actually created by us is a narrative that doesn't recognize our existence here. That's just, you know, we look at the end of the story. Again, there is a beginning of the story. And as I've said, uh, my, who am I? Am I Lebanese? Am I a Palestinian? My grandmother was expelled from Hebron, which is one of the biggest towns of West Bank. So what am I? Yeah. I'm definitely not a colonizer, right? Because okay. this is where my origin is. It's, it's much more, I think that, again, there is a tendency among students in the States, unfortunately, to, to, to paint the reality in only two colors, and the reality is much more colorful than that. And if, if you truly want to understand it, you need, you need to go into the details, and you need to understand both narratives. You need to read on both narratives. If you read only one narrative, you'll get only half part of the picture. I can tell you that as an Israeli, I studied the other side narrative. Uh, this is the narrative that is being taught in Israeli universities. Uh, where I studied in Ben Gurion University of the Negev. And eventually I had my own opinions. And I believe that if you get enough information and you don't get only half of the puzzle, just you get the full puzzle, eventually you, you understand that it's much more complex 
than what is pro- portrayed in an Instagram or a TikTok video of a minute and a half. Good advice, Sarit. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We, we've had a great time chatting with you. Uh, we have just under a minute left. What's like your last words? What would you want everyone to know? I want to invite everybody to come and visit uh, Israel, to come here and see for themselves how Jews and Arabs and others, Druze and Christians and uh, you know various sects. I live in the Galilee. Uh, we all live here together. Uh, we found a way to live together with this Israeli flag behind me. Uh, we work together, we socialize. Uh, it, this, is, this is an option. There is a future to do that. Uh, and in that way, if you understand that, eventually maybe we can work on solutions. Sarit, uh, thank you again. We have got to figure out how to coordinate with our group to meet up with you all when we're there. As I told you before the show, we take two groups there a year, and uh, we have, we're planning to go there next year. I don't know if they're going to let us come in or not, but hopefully we could work something out to meet up with you while we're there. Thanks again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget to go to endtime.com and watch.endtime.com. You can participate in thousands of hours of content there, totally free. So be sure to do that today. We'll see you right back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central Time. Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online with End Time Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you.